Welcome back to the Sandy Pars Golf Podcast. This week, we're taking a look back at our previous year of golf to see what's been working and what hasn't been. Randy recaps a recent trip to the Monterey Peninsula and lets you know how you can play three courses for less than $200. And finally, we take a look at the recent USGA report on how uh, driving distance might be negatively impacting the game of golf. We will see you on the other side of the song. Welcome back to another episode of the Sandy Pars Golf Podcast. I am Ryan Teeson. And I'm Randy Duran. Uh, it's been an eventful week in the sports world, Randy. Uh, there's a little thing called the Super Bowl last weekend. Yeah, since our last podcast, uh, obviously, as you know, we're based in the Bay Area, and it's been a rough week, to say the least. So we're both Niner fans, lifelong Niner fans. Yep. No bandwagon. <clears throat> no. And, uh, I mean, they, they out... I mean, they outdid themselves this year, I think we both would say. I felt it was a season of house money. I mean, making the playoffs, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that they would make the playoffs, right on. That's, that would have been a great season. Yeah. So in that regard, it was a great season. Yep. Um, like 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, it was still going to be an amazing season. Yep. But yeah. then that final 10 minutes. The final 10 minutes had to happen. Uh, they don't get to cut the game short, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, Where'd you watch the game? Uh, I watched it back uh, at my grandpa's house. Just something that I've done. I was we were trying to figure out probably like the last fifteen years. Nice. It's been our tradition, um, and the Niners have been in two of those Super Bowls, which is nice. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Fortunately, lost both of them. Yes. Um, what about you? Where'd you watch it? I watched it in North Beach at the Italian Athletic Club. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It uh, twenty bucks, unlimited food. Um, oh, I didn't know it was unlimited food. Yeah. Uh, they had crab. They what? had they had everything from uh, chicken wings to gabagool, um, <laughs> like everything. It was delicious. Tiramisu. <laughs> no tiramisu, but if it involved like gelato or uh, raviolis, stracciatella. Yeah, there was uh, cold cuts. Everything. Oh, that's a, tight. They had a full kitchen. They had a full bar. There's about five hundred or so people. It wow. was good. It was great until the last ten minutes. Yeah. And then people started crying and hiding their bottles of champagne. (laughs) Why why did you divert your eyes, Randy? (laughs) Is that why you have three bottles of champagne in the fridge? Actually, I didn't bring one. I I know better. I've only done that once, and I was right to bring it. Giants World Series? Yep. 2012? Yep. Or 10? It was uh, was 2010, actually, yeah. Yeah. So uh, other than that, how's your golf week been this week? Yeah, so I played on Monday um, to... Uh, I took Monday off regardless. It was either just going to be because I was have uh, been up way too late the night before or to nurse some sadness, and I booked a tee time at one of the drier courses around here, um, and I ended up playing on Monday, so I got a round in. Nice. Yeah. How about yourself? Did you play? I have. I didn't play. I went Monday morning um, and just putted, as we discussed on the first episode of this podcast. Right. Uh, my putting <laughs> needs to be improved. Um, so I went up and I hit putts for probably like an hour. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the interesting thing I did, I was reading the night before about different grips I could try, right? Because I just, I don't know, like, I mean, there's something obviously wrong with my putting stroke. I rarely sink putt. So I went up and I had like four or five different grips I wanted to try out putting. The claw, the pencil grip. What I ended up settling on was doing left hand low. So a grip with my left hand low. Um, I golf right-handed, but I'm a I'm left-handed. You know, left my left hand is my dominant mm-hmm. hand. So it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Oh, you know, only some of the greatest golfers of all time have done it. Ben Hogan, <laughs> uh, many others. Uh, uh, I, I just the whole thing about you playing right-handed and like doing the rest of your stuff left-handed. I just don't understand how you do that. But it makes sense that changing your grip that way would could actually benefit somebody like you yeah thanks <laughs> uh, yeah growing up Randy, so i didn't have access to left-handed clubs i had a hand-me-down from the <laughs> 1700s that i learned to play on no um so yeah i went up and played around with my putting grips and you know it felt awkward like mm-hmm. it still feels the touch isn't quite there uh, especially we'll see so we're going out to play this saturday coming up in a couple days and I plan to play the whole round with left hand low putting. The touch, it's hard to say. Like, you know, inside of like five feet, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it, it's feeling more and more comfortable, I'd say. But um, I mean, it can't be any worse than I was before. You know, I was maybe a 10% putter from five feet. So it can't get much worse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, how'd you play when you went out and played? Uh, so I've been. Uh, really rebuilding my swing for almost a year now and um, just trying new things, trying to figure out how to hit the ball uh, a lot better, a lot straighter, uh, really fix my uh, my draw that I had. And that was the first time in about a year that I've actually been able to do it, really flushing my iron shots, uh, made some putts. Um, I was good around the green. I couldn't drive at all, but... I'm not worried about that because that's my strength and I don't really, you know, I can, I can find that pretty quickly. Usually it's all the rest of the stuff that <laughs> I had to search for. So it was encouraging. I had, I had a lot of fun. What do you do? Like when, uh, around where say your driver just isn't working, do you yeah. keep going back to it or do you try to minimize it? Um, so what I, what I do is if, if I'm going to be a long iron into the green if I hit a, you know, if I, if I just forego driver off the tee and hit, you know, an iron or a three wood, and I'm still going to be a long iron onto the green. I still try to hit my driver. I know that's probably <laughs> um, not the best advice, but I try to figure out where my miss is going to be and still try to get it down there because long irons are hard to hit anyway. And um, I feel putting myself back there, uh, you know, laying up essentially and going for a par four and let's say three shots instead of just the two, yeah. I'm already behind the ball anyway. So I might as well go for it and try to work it out from the tee with my driver. Yeah. I think that that works for your game because your putting is like your, your putting saves, I think. Well, um, lately it has for sure. Yeah. Where I'm kind of, I'm going with a whole different mindset. So my, my driver has been working lately, but, um, when we play on Saturday, I'm going with the approach of like, I'd rather hit like an eight iron and a pitching wedge on like, say, you know, a long par four, mm-hmm. um, instead of trying to go like driver four iron yeah, and minimize the trouble, you know, uh, 
it's it's a kind of a whole different mindset of what how I play. I normally yeah. step up to the tee box unless you know there's a major reason why you wouldn't hit driver. You know, it's grab the driver and you know bomb it out there and see. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to play a more methodical game and uh, see how that goes, but. It was interesting. I was reading kind of a, you know, the whole strategy behind it of mm-hmm. like playing the club that you're most comfortable hitting. Yeah. And and maybe even on some of those holes where we're playing, where like, um, you know, sand is maybe in play at like 230 to 250. Go like five iron, eight iron, and then like a short wedge in just to see what happens. Yeah. Just because it, you know, it's it's an approach to the game that I've never tried. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting kind of the whole crux of that strategy is, is your wedges right? is wedges it's really it's being able to hit putts yeah. from like being good from like 10 feet and in yeah. five feet especially mm-hmm. um it's you really because you're not going to have a lot you're not going to necessarily be green you know you're not going to be putting for birdie a right. lot of times um it's going to be a lot of but if your wedges you know if you pretty much you hit your approach you hit like your second shot to set up a wedge that you're comfortable hitting Mm -hmm. then you should be get it to like 10 feet you know five feet hopefully and then you sink that for par right um it's a lot of pressure on those wedge shots it's a lot of pressure (laughs) (laughs) but the alternative is like you know hitting driver and then maybe being in the rough being like a little out of position Mm -hmm. and then trying to hit like a long five iron or like a short four iron Mm -hmm. in and then that messing up and then you have to try to scramble to save par yeah um so we'll see um we'll see how that goes you know they say it's Playing that way is trying to take your ego out of the For game sure. entirely, which is the hardest part of doing that. Yep. Um, but at the same time, if I'm flushing seven irons, you know, yeah, just playing seven irons down the fairway, you know, I'm still going to get, you know, like we say, if half the time if I'm bombing, you know, a four iron in trying to, and I'm short sighted, mm-hmm. I'd be better positioned to go seven, you know, sandwich, definitely, and a putt. Definitely. We'll see. And Peacock's the kind of course where you can really figure that out because there's a lot of short par fours. Yeah. Um, and so you can totally, I mean, I, I played, there's, uh, I think it's like hole seven. Yeah, it's hole seven where it's that really sharp par, short par four. Um, you're, you hit from an elevated mm-hmm. tee and long iron is like, is like 276 and long iron is usually the way to go. Um, I just hit driver off of that and I was like five yards short of the green and truth be told, like, I thought, okay, this is really easy, but for greens that don't lack that, that lack depth and they're just like a ribbon, like that green is, I had no place to hit my shot and stop it. I had to use like the fringe or something along those lines to try to get it to stop on the green. And I was, I remember specifically thinking, I wish I was further out Hmm. so I can hit an actual full shot in it. That would stick. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that experiment goes. Yeah. Um, let's see. Over the, over the past year, I mean, you know, looking back, you know, we're, we're kind of planning what our strategy is for this upcoming weekend. I mean, what do you think, uh, this past year has, has done, um, to kind of make you go that route in terms of playing that way? So, um, I've taken this past year, I've, I've, definitely played more golf 
than you know the year before we we created um we call it like our tour and we created me and randy and two of our other buddies um we plan tour events like we get together masters weekend and plan out like a whole year of golf weekends and we call it our tour we started that two years ago i think three three years ago this will be the this will be the third year i think this will be the fourth year oh wow so my golf playing is kind of ramped up you know each year with that yep and in the past, <clears throat> past like eight months or so, getting more serious about like actually improving mm-hmm. in a methodical way instead of just going out to the range, hitting 130, you know, balls and then getting back in the car and heading home. Yep. Um, working on the short game, working on putting. Um, so that's how the past year has been. And going into this year, it's something that I definitely want to keep um, – keep kind of evolving my game mm-hmm. and I think a big part of that is taking the ego out of it like we were right. talking like playing smarter golf like you know like there is it is fun to get up there and bomb a driver out right. there but it also might be a lot more fun to break 80 which is something mm-hmm. I've never done um and so my kind of mindset my mindset I think has shifted and has gotten more to like let's see I've kind of taken it to the limit of this other strategy yeah. of bombing it and then scrambling. Yep. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe this other approach, it might, you know, there's there's a lot of strokes that can be shaved off easily, I'd right. say. Well, it's going to put a huge emphasis on your iron play, <clears throat> without a doubt. And obviously, any everybody can afford or could, yeah, could afford to be a better putter. Um, it's going to put a huge focus though on your irons because you're going to have to be more precise from further out. And either way, even if it doesn't work out and your scores aren't, you know, necessarily going where you think they should, as long as they're not declining, I think if you did go back to a regular driver or you did change your strategy up to hit, you know, longer shots off the tee with your iron play increased, you know, you might find yourself having uh, an easier time going back to driver. So it's, there's nothing to be lost is my yeah, point, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one, I forget where I read it, but it was talking about being aggressive within a conservative game plan right out there. So don't be conservative. Don't, don't like overall be aggressive, but then hit, hit conservative shots in that. Instead, play overall conservatively. Like don't get out of position, but within that, be aggressive. So like, you know, if I am 160, 170 yards out, you know, do go for the green in those positions. Don't right. go like, you know, pitching wedge, lob wedge or something. Like being aggressive in that, but trying to minimize, I guess, the overall damage Yeah. Um, to my score. So. So, and so you played more. I mean, I think we all played the most golf we've ever played this last year, um, considering all the people on our tour. Um, are you planning on playing more this upcoming year or yeah. keeping it about the same? Well, now it's like my job. <laughs> <laughs> now, hopefully, you know, going out and playing gives us something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, you know, the the nice part of doing this podcast is golf becomes work, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm planning to, yeah, play a lot, you know, and probably practice, really. Yeah. It is, there, you know, it is, it's good to play, but like the way we have our tour set up, we play twice a month. Yeah. So we have about. to practice a lot. How, I mean, how has practice been going, you know, over, over winter <laughs> for you? Well, it's been rainy. It's been a wet year, which is good for California, but it's mm-hmm. bad for California golfers. Yeah. 
uh, it's been tough. Like, especially where we play, where we live in the Bay Area, I mean, it's right at sea level. So the course is everywhere. When it rains, it's always wet here. Yep. And doesn't drain, you know, great. Yep. So it's been hard. It's been hard to get out. Um, to get out and play has been hard. You know, right. it's easy to still go to the range and stuff, but... Um, yep. So how about you? Um, I mean, practice for me, like I always have something like out in, in my in my house. I always have like a club out or a putting green out, something out just to, you know, get some muscle memory, get some uh, some swings in, some putts in, something to keep my mind on, on the game of golf. Um, another thing I've been doing is I have a membership at, at Golf Tech so I can practice in any weather. What is that? I've heard you talk about golf. Like, what is golf tech? So, I'm sure you've seen the commercials on uh, the golf channel or whenever the Masters comes on or any major golf event. If it's, um, they always have just a bunch of commercials. But basically, what it is is a, a place where you can get instruction. It's indoors. They uh, they have um, equipment and monitors and everything like that. That basically. Um, gives you instant feedback on the positioning of your body um, during your swing. And then it also gives you the results of every shot that you hit. And um, basically you get into this harness, and I know harness sounds like really (laughs) obstruction, like a huge obstruction to a golf swing, but it it doesn't get in the way at all. Is it like Um, motion sensor? It's motion sensor. uh, It gives, like, for example, uh, it can focus on one data point. And you can set like a little bit of a tone up so that it'll beep essentially when you've reached where you're supposed to be. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, my hip turn in the backswing, I wasn't turning enough. And so he set it up to where my, my coach set it up to where it would beep when I got to the right amount. And then I can just know that's, that's my time to start my downswing. Um, and then on top of that, they have uh, you can you can just practice inside. You don't need to be getting necessarily a lesson. You can stay up to you know an hour and a half each day. So they have like simul like is it a simulator? They have a simulator, uh, launch monitors. Um, is that every? Is there like hitting bays? I imagine. Yeah, there's like at, how many? At, at least at mine there's four, hmm. and then there's a, a a putting green in the entry in the. Entrance, I guess, for hmm. it. So the foyer, the foyer, yes. <laughs> uh, but is does each like bay have a simulator or every, you... every single one? Oh, that's and then cool. what you do is you can log in to the computer there, record your entire practice session, load it, upload it yourself, and watch it. Wow. So, but yeah, so that's been helping. Also, another thing that's been helping is uh, finding courses that tend to dry out better. Yeah. Um, we've found a couple here: Corica Park, Peacock Gap. Harding Park, which are essentially all built on sand, and those are the ones you want to go play on because they drain, you know, within a day or so, unless it's been a really particularly wet week. Yeah. Yeah, that where I play Tilden, I think it's built on like a peat bog. Yeah. Like you can hear the water running underneath the ground. It's it's really tough to get out there and play. Yeah, all the ones in the in hills in the mountains or <clears throat> any type of you know, hillside are going to just going to be completely wet because they're going to have water flowing through them for days. At yeah. A time. So talking about playing dry courses, mm. you had a recent trip to the Monterey Peninsula, I know. Yeah. So, um, for anybody listening who lives in 
specifically Northern California or California in general, there's a, a good deal that the NCGA offers. So NC, the NCGA is uh, essentially or it's $70 a year. What is that? Northern California Golf Association. Yes, and you get your handicap, and you can enter tournaments in there, and they know your handicap. It's not like you can just be a ringer and come up and say, hey, I'm a 20 handicapper. So um, it's 70 bucks a year for the NCGA uh, membership, and that includes uh, cheap rounds at Poppy Hills, Poppy Ridge. Um, you get weekly and monthly deals at very popular golf courses, and you get entry into... Uh, local tournaments um and so one of the deals that we got and we've and we've done this before we did it two years ago um was 160 dollars through the pebble beach resorts to play spanish bay and that came out to 160 for a cart obviously your green fee and they gave us a 75 dollar gift card to use at the resort for anything other than food and drink so that wow. includes pro shop it includes like um uh, if you want to play another round at some point, if you want to go to the spa or anything, or you want to use it for your room, um, oh, wow. if you stay there, uh, so all of that. And so every time we say we, that it is one sixty for a round, a cart, and seventy five dollar gift card. So crazy. it's like you're playing for ninety five bucks, or that math checks out. I don't know. Yeah. What course was that? Spanish Bay. Oh, nice. So that was great. Um, we played that. the la- That was the last course we played. Um, perfectly dry. Uh, we play- And then we, what, another way to save money is to play a, a local muni co- uh, municipal course. Um, and the one, if you ever play in Monterey, the one that everyone talks about is Pacific Grove. And that was only forty dollars. Wow. So you know that's two hundred bucks right there. You're playing along the coast. Um, you know, every every hole is just breathtakingly beautiful. And then the third the third course that we played, we utilized golf moose, and we got a uh, two tee times for one hundred and fifty dollars. So that was seventy five bucks at Del Monte, right? Uh, at Del Monte, yes. So, um, and that course is another Pebble Beach Resort course, mm. like Spanish Bay. So it's completely immaculate. The greens there were. Uh, ridiculously difficult <laughs> they're even harder than spanish bay um so what, like slope or just fast fast or? and they break hmm. and whenever you're putting like whenever you're putting at a like the, the difficulty with monterey i'm sorry with uh, pacific grove and spanish bay is you play a little bit um in the mountains and a little bit uh, next to the ocean. Hmm. And so you have these two forces that are constantly force, uh, uh, impacting how putts roll and everything like that. So <laughs> if you're not a good putter, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely barely a good putter, but definitely not a great putter, um, it's very difficult to read greens. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was extremely difficult. But the main thing other than that... Um, you know, finding the good deals, uh, utilizing like golf moose or golf now, um, is to walk because you double your green fees in at Del Monte and at, uh, Pacific Grove if you get the cart. Wow. So if you can walk, if you have a push cart, I mean, they're relatively flat courses. You can go out there and walk them. No problem. Wow. So getting rid of, rid of the cart is the way to go. Oh, that's great. And that's kind of how we've been playing recently. Anyways, mm-hmm. we've all got push carts and are walking the course. Yep. So, 
Yeah, and then other than that, uh, overall expenses, if you're trying to save money, like, you know, we got an Airbnb, we ordered in one night, um, you know, just limiting expenses that way. We got out of there, you know, for, you know, pretty, on a, a pretty good budget. Yeah, I'm hoping to join you guys next year. We have to kick someone out of that force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need, or form a new one. We need three more people. Yeah, three more people. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds like fun. So which which was your favorite course out of the three? So uh, Spanish Bay. Yeah. Um, that's always going to be my favorite. Is that what they're playing? So the AT&T, the Pro-Am is going this. Is Spanish Bay one of the courses? No. No. Spanish Bay is its own little Lynx course, and I think that's why they don't include it at the Pro-Am. Um you know, Spyglass, Pebble. Oh, Spyglass. Is yeah, nice those two are more, they're similar courses, you know. Yeah. Um, they're not Link style, while Spanish Bay is, wow. is very much so. So um, So it is, it's Lynx and it's right by the coast. Yeah. So it really is a true it's, Lynx experience. Yes, it, it, it gets a little bit of heat um, for not being a tr- quote-unquote true Lynx course because there's a couple forest mm. in mountain holes that don't, necessarily look very linksy yeah um because they're not just super flat hmm. um but that's probably only three or four holes as com- compared to the rest which yeah. is exactly what you look for in a links course that's cool how difficult was it getting the tea times for like the other courses yeah so del monte and pacific grove a month ahead of time no sweat uh and then same thing this this was the northern california golfers uh special they call it and it was only good for January. So they uh, sent the email like Thanksgiving. And then, you got to jump on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, I know you also wanted to talk about this week. I know the um, the USGA and the Royal and Ancient Golf Association came out. They, they I guess they were doing like a two-year study on driving distance or distance yeah. overall in the golf game. And they finally came out uh, this week. They they released their findings. Yeah, I thought uh, I'm not sure you know how familiar you are with uh, you know what they were trying to do, but basically, you know, they had a 99 page summary of the research that was gathered from 57 reports. And basically, what it was stating was that uh, hitting it further, um, and specifically with the increased um, athleticism of the average golfer thinks Tiger Woods uh, and the improvement of equipment over year over um, from year to year has essentially raised um, the average driving distance by one yard every year for the past like 15 years. Jeez. So probably what, longer than that though too. Right. And so it's basically <clears throat> they've been tracking this since uh, the move from persimmon and, and regular woods to these fairway metals or, you know, metal yeah. drivers. And um, they're calling it, you know, it, it's a de- it could be detrimental to the game um, to allow this to continue because uh, only a, there's a few select players that their distance is making it an unfair advantage to the rest of the field and what's happening is these golf courses the challenge is being taken out of them because what's the point of having all these bunkers and dog legs and everything like that if they're just bombing yeah. it cutting it cutting all of that out and bombing it down right next to the green hitting a wedge in and then you know yeah getting their putts in um 
And so what they're talking about is it's not gonna, there's not going to be anything that's done this, this next year. Uh, but what's going to happen is they're going to discuss it for this next year. And then the following year, there could be certain courses that require different equipment. And they're getting a lot of pushback from the manufacturers. Um, obviously, these, the players are sponsored by these manufacturers, too. And so the initial pushback is coming from that. But Well, it's like an arms race between yeah. Callaway, TaylorMade... I mean, those are the two. Right. Titleist a little bit. But, mm-hmm. like, I went and looked at the Titleist.com. I was just looking at their their drivers look, nor, you know, there's no crazy technology where every year TaylorMade and Callaway, you know, it's an arms. Like, they're yeah. coming out with more and more and more stuff. And it is, it is, it's, I, it's kind of, it's not sad, I wouldn't say, but it is, it is, it's kind of fun to, to play the old way. Yeah. You know? And that's exactly what they're talking about is like some courses like you, you can't, they, they want to do, they want to change the equipment and have, you know, a, se- a second set of rules, so to speak, so that um, the integrity of the course is kept. Otherwise, these courses that can't protect themselves from players who hit the ball really far, um, you know, they're going to be obsolete. They're not going to have yeah. tournaments there anymore. They're not, it's not going to be as exciting um, or they keep changing the designs, you know, right. to, and which even, changes like, you know, some of these masterpiece courses exactly. and moving stuff around. Um, you know, I was looking, I'm talking about playing this new, whatever, conservative approach mm-hmm. to golf. And so I was going through Peacock Gap where we're playing and looking at the yardages and, you know, like, oh, what would I hit here? So a lot of like the sand is in play for players like us. Mm-hmm. But like, even if if I could consistently hit it at 275 like even that course is pretty it's not a lot of the fun is taken out of it because you fly all the bunkers you know yeah and and that's the one thing too that they that they brought up was the the courses that you and i play that no tournaments are hosted on the tee boxes are actually they're further back than they should be yeah um for people like us where the equipment doesn't matter. Yeah. And so they're pushing them back, pushing them back because they figure, oh, well, here's the average. Yeah. And it's but making what these that, easier courses more difficult. And what that means for us is five and a half hour rounds. That's which right. is like And that's another thing they yeah. brought up too. Was, and that was the thing I read that stood out to me is like, you know, we play the whites normally. Mm-hmm. But like maybe we should play the gold. Maybe most people should play the golds, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it's really... I mean, it turns out to adding all that yardage over a course is, I mean, adds an hour to how long it takes to play around, maybe. Yep. Which, like, then that's another detriment to the game is, like, you know, it's hard to get out on a weekend for six hours and go play golf. Yep. Especially when you have a wife and a young son. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough to pull that off. Um, Which, that was the one part of the report that really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, and then also obvious things like lar- longer and larger courses uh, grow at you know keep growing to be more at odds with uh, societal and environmental concerns yeah. because they need more water and more acreage to have these uh, these courses and to keep them maintained. And the bigger they are, um, the harder that is to do. I mean, here locally to us, Harding Park, where the PGA Championship is going to be this year, mm-hmm. we've seen the course over the last two years. They've lengthened the course a yes. significant amount. Uh, you know, they're constructing all new tee boxes mm-hmm. way back, um, 
which yeah, all that goes to more water and you know more everything. Yeah, to and do that. They're not going to knock down those tee boxes when they're done either. Like that's going to be the championship tees now from there, and then that which means the blues go further back sometimes. Yeah, and then obviously the whites can be moved back at sometimes. So, um. That's all that course needs is to yeah, make it more I know. difficult. It, it, that's why it's fun to play is because it's a championship level course and it's not that long. It's still very difficult. Yeah. But, um, but adding adding length to it is just going to be a monster. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something to see. I know I saw some pushback online too by play, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Some of the players are calling BS on it. But, I mean, it's for the overall game. It's not mm-hmm. just focused at it wasn't just focused at the pga right was my reading it was the whole game of golf you know for they've talked about golf as a you know a sport in decline which i don't know if i necessarily agree agree, with yeah i don't necessarily agree that maybe people playing it but people watching it but i I know it has accessibility problems to new players it's not very accessible and to you know have new players think they have to play these white tee boxes or you know that are really they're long yeah. like it is long it's made me reconsider kind of how we've played golf you know it's yep. like yeah why did we pick white i mean or like who put the white there and <laughs> well you know yeah like maybe golds would be a lot more fun you know it, you yeah. play more shots well i guess if you're if you're bombing it out there then then <laughs> I, I kind of miss the, like, there's a couple courses that we play that have one, but I miss I miss having a, a nice, easy par three where it's like a wedge. Yeah. You know, like, what what's wrong with having a short par three and, and focusing on that? Everything is so long. Like, it's like 150 or longer now for a, for a par three, and it's just like, why? Why yeah. does every par three have to be long? There's yeah. challenge of having a short one, too. Yeah. The course I learned on growing up had a 27-yard hole with a, <laughs> with a huge elevation change, and it's hard. It, it was like... You know, the green was 50 feet below your feet. And mm-hmm. it, it was 27 yards, but, I mean, it was tough to get a ball to to sit on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that might be a little extreme, but 80 yards, like an 80-yard yeah. hole would be, it's fun. It's fun. Like, you can, you know, the average golfer is still a challenge for the average golfer. Yeah. So. Well, it's something to keep an eye on, definitely, mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. And I'm excited, you know, our round on Saturday, we'll see how this new strategy goes of, we'll see. Uh, we'll have to take some some uh, some statistics and some notes from that and bring it for next week's podcast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully I break 80. Yes. Very hopefully unlikely. I do too. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> unlikely. I think my quest for breaking 80 will continue. Um, but uh, thanks again, everyone, for joining us. And uh, keep an eye out. We should be in your feeds every week moving forward. All right. Hit them straight. Yep. And far. (laughs) But not too far.